you will, grab your Bibles now, book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 45. This evening we'll read verses 5 through 13 responsively, and I'll read one more verse for you in the same chapter. Isaiah chapter number 45, beginning in verse number 5, we'll read responsively down through verse number 13. Isaiah chapter number 45 Beginning in verse number 5, Bible says in Isaiah 45, 5, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gird thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun, and from the west, that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down, ye heavens, from above, and let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open, and let them bring forth salvation. And let righteousness spring up together. I, the Lord, have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his Maker. Let the potsherd strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashioneth it, What makest thou, or thy work? He hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begattest thou? Or to the woman, What hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and his Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, and concerning the works of my hands, command ye. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and have all their host have I commanded. I have raised them up in righteousness and I will direct all his ways. He shall build my city and he shall let go my captives, not for price nor reward, saith the Lord of hosts. If you'll go down to verse number 18 now, I'll read that for you. Same chapter, Isaiah 45, verse number 18. Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, and there is none else. And let's pray, Lord, we do thank you for being our God. Thank you for the knowledge that you've given to us. Thank you for those that have faithfully served in preaching of the truth. Those many that are here represented by soul owners who were not selfish with the gospel. Thank you that we were able to come to that knowledge. May we not take for granted the opportunity we have each and every day to read the Bible and to learn more about you. May we not take for granted the privilege, the opportunity, and the freedom that we have to hear God's word preached. This evening we've come here just for that. May our minds be able to think about the truth and see how it would apply to our heart. Keep our hearts tender. Keep our minds focused now on the truth. Would you please fill our pastor with the Holy Spirit's power as he preaches. We'll ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Keep your Bibles open to Isaiah 45. I want your attention tonight. There is a reason that in, the, in Exodus chapter 20, in the time when God gives us what I would call the civil law, the Ten Commandments, there is a reason that the first commandment God gave is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
God understood that man without God would allow government to be God. We live in a world of false gods. America, much like the rest of the world, is filled with many gods. America was founded on Jehovah God in that book right there. I don't care what people are telling you today. America was founded for the purpose of the propagation of the gospel and the freedom to serve God and live for God according to the word of God. Now, the God of America has become the God of this world, which is the devil and humanism. Humanism has replaced Christianity. Our One of our former presidents, I hate using that word with his name, Mr. Obama, said America is not a Christian nation. Unfortunately, he was probably more right than he is wrong. America is as polytheistic as old ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Let me list some of the gods of America. Please listen to me. Baseball, basketball, football, racing, video games, amusements, making money, Hollywood, education, and whatever else makes us happy. These are now the gods of America. You go to ballparks or uh, basketball stadiums or hockey rinks around our country today and they're filled to capacity. Go to our churches and they're shutting them down week by week. America is so bad off that they now teach children in schools, well, We all serve the same God, he just has different names. Well, I hate to tell you, Mohammed is not my God, Jehovah is. Buddha is not my God, Jehovah is. The Shinto gods are not my God, Jehovah is God. He is God, I am the Lord, there is none else, according to Isaiah 45. We are no, listen to this statement, we are no better than the Israelites after the flood 500 years who God said, you're serving the gods from the other side of the flood. Just like the gods of Egypt had corrupted them or the gods of the Canaanites, America is corrupting herself with so many gods and we just have not learned. Let me say right here, I love God. I love the Bible. I love the Bible that God gave us. I love what God can do in people's lives. I look across the, this, this room and see what God's done in the lives of the people in this room. And we could spend hour after hour after hour after hour testifying how God has changed your life. I watched our kids from the school up here today, watched them quote 18 verses like that. How many could, of you could do that? 
Oh, yeah, you've memorized the verse, John, you know, Jesus wept. Uh, you've got one chapter memorized. Well, it's only eight verses, but I've got one whole chapter of the Bible memorized. Yeah. God bless you. But every one of those kids memorized over 200 verses just this school year. I challenged them uh, Friday in chapel. I said, look, I think that you ought to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible over summer. Some of them are taking the challenge. I'm already hearing from it. I'm excited for them. I, don't, I think if it's good for school, it's good for home. I think it'd be good if parents memorized it with their kids. Amen. <sighs> now, wait a minute. La- yeah, he doesn't have any kids at home <laughs> in school. Now, wait a minute. Uh, I, several years ago, did a little check. And I've memorized over almost 5,000 verses in the Bible. I've never set out to memorize that many. I've just familiarized with myself with it so much that I have. The Bible is the complete guide to living. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You say, well, preacher, I just don't understand this life. That means you're not in the Bible enough. You're not hearing it taught. You're not reading it. You're not living it. It's one of those three things. Because man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It is our job to obey the Bible, not understand the Bible. God does not care about your understanding as much as he does your obeying. Dumb illustration, but it works every time. When I was a kid and dad said, take out the trash. If I would have said, dad, I don't understand why I have to take out the trash. My dad didn't particularly care about my understanding. He did care about my obedience. He knew that someday... I'd have to take out the trash because I'd own the house where the trash has to go out of. Everybody doing okay? The understanding wasn't the issue. The obedience is the issue. And because the Bible is God's words, not man's, they are eternally present. That means they are the same now as the day God gave them to man. They are as as effective and they are holding the same authority and they are as accurate now as two, three, four, five thousand years ago when God gave them. It transcends all time. It transcends all generations. It, I just happen to trust God a whole lot more than any self-educated man. By the way, that's why I don't believe the Bible ought to be studied historically. It ought to be studied practically. Everybody doing okay? I've read enough church constitutions and stuff through the years. Well, we teach, we, we preach the Bible from a historical viewpoint. And we ought to preach the Bible at a present viewpoint. Not historical or hysterical. God says in Isaiah 45, 
verses 5, 6, 18, and in other places in there, verses 7, verse 8, and other places, it says, I am the Lord, and it says, I only am the Lord. Look at uh, verse number 5 again. I am the Lord, there is none else. Now, everybody look at me. We don't need another version to tell us what that means. I think God made it pretty plain here. I am the Lord, there isn't another one. There is none else. I don't care what name you give it. I don't care what statue you build of it. I don't care what in, what you intellectualize to get to it. I am the Lord. There is none else. Period. Now that's not real hard to understand, is it? Now watch this. In other words, Jehovah God is the only God and all others are man-made. Now listen to me. We're getting to the sermon. One of Satan's most successful plans has been to get man to be or make or choose his own God instead of letting God be God. Genesis 3.15. Oh, even the day thou eatest, you could be like God. You could know good and evil for yourself. You wouldn't need God to tell you what's right and wrong. You could decide right and wrong for yourself. Humanism. Is that not what Isaiah 14 verses 12 through 14 are about? I, talking about Lucifer, will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit in the seat of the Most High. I will be like God. I will sit in the seat above the uh, sides of the north. In other words, I'll be my own God. I don't need God. And that is the attitude of the average person in our world today. Well, I hate to tell you all something, but God said, I am the Lord. There is none else. Satan does not care what God you choose, just so long as it's not Jehovah God. We must come to a place where we realize that we, whether it's ourself or other humans or a human system, is a lousy God. Can I tell you something? Government is a lousy God. Religion is a lousy God. Dressing some man up in a dress, putting a half million dollar grapefruit on his head and calling him Papa when he's dressed like Mama doesn't make sense to me. Everybody doing okay? You see, it's time to let God be God. But man can even pervert God to say that God would accept their filthy, vile, sodomite lifestyles and that Jesus gets them. Well, yeah, Jesus got them. Go back to the book of Genesis uh, and there's a, a passage in there about a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. He got them good. They fail to, to mention Sodom and Gomorrah. They fail to mention the last half of Romans chapter 1. Man can do all he wants to try to forget God, but God said, let God be true and every man a liar. And God said, 
I am the Lord, there is none else. Man can try to reason him away, but God's still God. Man can try to replace him with his own mind, his own ideas, and his own creations, but there is none else but God. Well, I just don't believe it. That's your problem. You got an eye problem. You got an eye problem. Get the eye out of the way and trust the God who wrote the book. Let's see what God has to say about this very quickly. Number one, God makes it very clear he is the creator of the universe. Look at Isaiah 45 again. Look at verse number five. I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. They that know, uh, may know from the rising of the sun and from the, set, from, uh, and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Drop down ye heavens from above. Let the skies pour down righteousness. Uh, look at the last part of that verse. I, the Lord, have created it. It didn't evolve. Skip down to verse number 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, NASA, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. Watch this statement. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. Isn't it amazing? Every, every celestial body that we land on in our spaceships and drive by, there is no life. Can I tell you why? There was only one place that God created for life to inhabit. Well, are there other life forms out there, preacher? No. Well, how do you know that? Isaiah 45, verse 18. He said that the earth was the only place he created to be inhabited. Elon Musk can build his own world on Mars or the moon, and I hope that he does and takes a whole bunch of liberals with him. I'd say let's pay for a one-way ticket and send all of Hollywood there. Matter of fact, let's send about two-thirds of Congress and, and everybody there too. Then we can start all over. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> Eventually, they're going to run out of oxygen, amen? Then they'll be like uh, lost in space. Danger, Will Robinson. Anyway, uh, you have to be older to know what that means. Yeah, much older. But at least you knew what it was. <laughs> Ouch. God created it. There's no such thing as God created it in it. Uh, millions of years ago and then let it evolve. God created the earth to be inhabited the way it is being inhabited. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. I'm not going to go into it, uh, but we've read it early in our Wednesday evening Bible studies even, where it talks about that uh, they serve the creature more than the creator. He is the creator, science is not. Let me say that again. Science is not. 
Evolution is not science. Science, by its own definition, means A, observable. Number two, has to be repeatable. You can't observe millions and millions and millions of years. It's unobservable. And you can't repeat what evolution says took place. And by the very own definition of science, it is not science. Now, nothing gets better over time by itself. Those of you that are over 40, your body's not getting better over time. I am. You were the one moaning and groaning yesterday. <laughs> Ouch. Now, wait a minute. Your body breaks down. It doesn't get better in time. My dad said that the senior years are called the golden years because it takes gold to survive. Uh, I had an old lady tell me one day, she said, Sonny, if it don't hurt, it don't work. Uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. You, you see, nothing improves on its own. It always breaks down. Listen to this statement, and I'm going to say it exactly as I wrote it. Devolution wants us to believe everything is getting better and better. Devolution. When we take God away as creator, man becomes his own God. The foundation of all science is the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You go back to the Declaration of Independence, and in the Declaration of Independence, it talks about the creator, nature's God. Everybody doing okay? Isn't it amazing that our forefathers understood God was the creator? It wasn't until the middle 1800s that Charles Darwin in the late 1850s, late 1850s, came up with this idea of evolution. And it was the communist governments, Russia, that grabbed a hold of it to make it the new religion of of communism because it explained away God and they finally could take over and conquer people. Do your homework. Evolution is the religion of communism and socialism. Evolution is the God of education today. Started by FDR. FDR in the 1930s began putting evolution into the textbooks of the American people to be taught as an alternative. Now, everybody listen to me. Why is it in the 1950s and the 1960s we bought, brought communists that we fought in World War II and in the Korean War to America to teach in our colleges? You old-timers know what I'm talking about. They brought Fidel Castro. They brought Mussolini. They brought Karl Marx to teach in our universities and speak. These are the people we fought against in World War II. We bring them here to teach our young people to enamor them. 
Man wants to explain away God to not focus on the judgment of their own sin. They don't want to accept that there's a place called hell. And we must humble ourselves and let God be God. You take the purity of the minds of these children that were up here today. Is it no wonder that they're reading and memorizing like they are? Say why? Because you feed them truth, they turn out well. There used to be in the early days of computers, not that I would know anything about them, but there used to be a statement, garbage in, garbage out. Y'all remember that statement? Can I tell you something? You put garbage in them in school, you're going to get nothing but garbage out and look at what we're getting. When you got to have litter boxes in the bathrooms for kids that think they're animals in the public schools, by the way, in Jefferson County. Amen, Polo? It's sad. Kids want to go to the bathroom, they'll do it in a litter box because they think they're a, a dog or a cat. Can I tell you something? We're not talking about in the big city. We're talking right here in our backyards. We need to accept that there is really no other real God but God. I am the Lord. There is none else. Number two. God made it clear that he is to be Lord. Now, hang on for a second. Look at Isaiah 45, verse 5. I am the Lord. Notice all capitals. They're what they call small capitals. Look at verse number six at the very end. I am the Lord. That's in reference to God. Look at verse number seven. I the Lord. Look at verse number eight at the end. I the Lord have created it. Look at verse number 18. I am the Lord. Can I tell you something? The word Lord means one having authority by heredity. That means this. It's not self-appointed. They just did the, what do they call that thing? The coronation for King Charles. Now, wait a minute. Do you know why they do that? Because of heredity. It is an earned title because of a bloodline. Yeah. Now watch this. I could not go to England and be the next king because I don't have the heredity to do it. I don't have the bloodline. Can I tell you something? Listen to this very carefully here. The word Lord is used in reference to God almost 600 times in the King James Bible. It's used about 30 to 50 other times, I forget exactly how many, where it's small L-O-R-D in reference to being like uh, a man being lord of a an estate or lord of a husband as lord of the home, that type of thing. But it is not in reference to deity. And it's a whole different definition even. Malachi 3.6, Revelation 17.14, 1 Kings 8.60, Matthew chapter 2, verse number 11. Many shall say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not worshipped in thy name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? 
And he will say, depart from me, accursed into everlasting darkness. I never knew you. Now I'm going to make some statements here. Hang on. We cannot make Jesus Lord. He already is Lord. Well, you need to make him Lord of your life. He's already Lord, whether you make him Lord or not. Everybody doing okay? Lordship comes from a higher authority. It does not come from a lower authority. Did you know your president is the president of the United States, whether you like him or not? Now, listen to me. He was given that authority by a higher authority. Now, we can argue and fuss and complain, and that's our right as an American citizen, but can I tell you something? We can complain all we want, but the only authority we have is to go vote. That's it. So Jesus being Lord and God being Lord has nothing to do with you or me. It comes because of his heredity. He is the only begotten of the Son of God. Everybody doing okay? He is Lord by heredity. There used to be a popular statement back in the uh, 70s and 80s. You have to make him Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That is a false statement. That is as unscriptural as a statement can be. It was propagated by people that taught a doctrine, an evil doctrine called Lordship Salvation. That if you didn't make Jesus Lord of your life, then you didn't get saved. That's work salvation. Uh, there was a lot of people propagating that. They even had most of the gospel tracks in, in, back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, a guy named Mr. Chick did comic book tracks. All of them taught that you had to make Jesus Lord or you didn't get saved. Are they doing okay? You can choose whether or not you submit to the word of God, but he's Lord whether you submit or not. What you do with it is, doesn't make, change his title. We have no authority to make him Lord. We only have the ability to obey or disobey. You see, Jesus got the title Lord by birth, not by our vote. Jesus does not need to be Lord of your life to be saved. He's Lord whether you're saved or lost. Well, I think that you ought to, I don't care what you think, I know what God said. Please don't get upset with that term, get right. You see, <laughs> he can't be anything in your life till he's Savior first. Jesus can't be anything in your life until he's Savior first. How can you make him Lord until he becomes Savior? <laughs> That's like saying... Uh, 
well, I, I, I got to keep going. Lord is a title given by God to him. It's not something you make his title to become. You can't make him Lord. He already is. You can choose whether or not you'll submit to it. You can choose whether you'll obey him, but you cannot make him Lord. He already is. I've got to hurry. I'm going to finish with this last point. God is not only creator. God is not only Lord. But I want you to see something here. Look at Isaiah 43. Just go back a page or two. Verse number 15. I'm about to shout. Now watch, watch the words here. Look at verse number 15. I am the what? Lord. Okay, wait a minute. You sound like Methodist. I am the what? Lord. Your holy one, the what? Creator of Israel. Your what? King. King. Wow. God says everything here in one verse. I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, And lastly, your king. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not only creator. He's not only Lord, but he's also the king. He's also the king. I'm going to read some verses to you. You need not turn there for time's sake. You can write them down and look at them later. I'm not going to read Psalm 10, verse 16, or Psalm 24, 10. I am going to read Psalm 47, if I can get there quickly enough. Psalm 47, verse number 7. There we go. Psalm 47, verse number 7. For God is king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Can I tell you something? God is king of the earth. Uh, Jeremiah 51, 57 talks about him being the king of glory. Uh, first, Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We'll turn there. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Quickly, quickly, quickly. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at verse number 17. Now unto the king, capital K, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever. Amen. Notice it says, to the only king. I am the Lord, the only one. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 15. Which in times he shall show un, who is the blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh, that's why we shouldn't call the Pope the potentate. Because that term is reserved for God. And notice it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 17, 14, Revelation 19, 16 says that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's not only the King of you and I, he is the King of all kings. He is not just the Lord of you and I, he is the Lord of all lords. I am the Lord, the only one. Again, did you know that being a king is a position that is only gotten by heredity? 
You only get it by your bloodline. In Matthew chapter 1, you have the bloodline of Jesus for the king aspect of his life. That's why it's traced through the uh, lineage of David for the seat for the throne in Israel. Because he will be the king that sits on the mount in Israel. That is the royal bloodline. You go to the book of uh, Luke, I believe, is the other genealogy of Jesus. And it's traced all the way back to Adam, showing Jesus as a man. You see his lineage for the throne in Matthew, his lineage is all the way back to Adam, because he was the second Adam through the book of Luke. Why does one go this way and one go that way? Because it showed the two sides of what Jesus was. By the way, one day he will set his throne up in Jerusalem. When will that be, preacher? It will be exactly seven years after the rapture. Seven years after the rapture, he'll come back. We come on white horses with him. Yeehaw! Kentucky Derby ain't got nothing on us, amen? Neither does uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. But uh, we'll come back on white horses. That's when the Battle of Armageddon takes place in the Valley of Megiddo and the Euphrates River will be dried up. The great armies from the east without number, China and the Middle Eastern countries will march. Russia will come from the north and the African countries and the Western powers will meet from the south and they'll converge at a place called Megiddo. It is about a 30-mile-wide valley. It's about as wide as the mouth of the Shenandoah Junction here, or Shenandoah Valley here. And the Bible says that Jesus will come back with these millions and millions and tens of millions of soldiers, and he will speak his words and defeat the devil and the armies, and he will kill them all. And the blood will be so high that it will be to the bridle of a horse. That means the blood's going to be somewhere between four and five feet deep for 30 square miles. The Bible says that the animals that feed on dead bodies will be so full of the human flesh that they can't eat anymore. Now think through that for a moment. Imagine a bloody, vile mess four to five feet deep from here to Hagerstown. Jesus is going to clean the mess up. And he's going to sit down in Jerusalem on David's throne. Say, well, why did we come back? Because we will come back and rule and reign with him. Those seven years while we're in heaven at the marriage feast of the Lamb is where we get our rewards during that seven years. We receive our crowns. Now, listen to me. I preached a whole sermon on this. The Bible says we will cast our crowns at his feet. It doesn't mean we take them off and throw them. The word cast is like fishing. You throw a line out so that you bring it back. Correct? You just don't throw it out and leave it. You throw it out and bring it back. It is a picture of kneeling before him in submission. 
We will get our crown, we will kneel, and when it's time for us to come rule, we will stand and we will rule and reign with him. That's where we receive our rank and our responsibility for the earth. We're going to come back and there's still going to be billions of people on the earth. Now watch this. Do you know who the government of the world will be? Those of us who are in heaven. We get to run the entire world with Jesus. He'll be king. We're his servants. I want the panhandle. There's a certain engineering department and building departments that are going to be cleaning septic tanks with their toothbrush. One of my deputies is going to be Jennifer. Amen. Wait a minute. Can I tell you something? I, I don't know what, how it's all going to work, but I do know this. He's going to be king and we're going to be running the, running the world. Amen. There'll be billions of people all over this world that need, need ruled. And we will rule the world like God intended in the Garden of Eden. And he'll sit on that throne for a thousand years. And we will rule and reign this world for 1,000 years. Oh, the oceans are getting warm. We're going to burn up. No, not for another 1,000 plus seven years at least. Don't worry. Isaiah 45. What a powerful statement. I am the Lord. There is none else. There is no God beside me i am the lord there is none else i am the lord i do all these things i the lord have created i am the lord and there is none else can i tell you something thank god we serve and preach the only real lord god creator king and he's our god don't let anybody fool you every head bowed, every eye closed i'm done Maybe we ought to take a moment and thank God that he's God. Maybe we ought to back up and allow him to be Lord and we quit lording our own life. How about we quit worshiping the false gods of money, entertainment, pleasure. Well, I'm not saying it's wrong to have fun, but when are you going to let God be God? 